Hey guys, Lena here, and I uh, want to uh, talk to you today about uh, one big idea that I think will be relevant to most of us today. It's something that I've spoken about before, uh, but I think it's worth talking about again, because I believe that over and over again, we face these situations in life that put us in a place of discouragement and uh, unhappiness. And until we really get a hold of this concept that I'm going to speak about today, uh, we will remain um, unfruitful in our Christian walk. If you're new to the podcast, let me welcome you. My name is Lena, and I run a website called livingwithpower.org. It's a ministry now that uh, involves uh, giving biblical truth for everyday life. I um, believe that the Bible is God's inspired word and that it changes life. And uh, on that premise, we uh, use it to apply to every single situation in life, and we have seen the Holy Spirit use it to change us, and we believe that God is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, and the Holy Spirit is the part of God that was promised to give us understanding of His Word. And so, we are glad you're here. We believe the Holy Spirit led you to this podcast. That I know I sound kind of like a crazy person at this point, but I'm not. I'm actually an ER doctor in my real job and uh, felt called to ministry about, uh, I don't know, 13 years ago or so. And God has just been so gracious to give me the privilege of uh, teaching His Word in a number of different venues and occasions. And, and this is one of them. So to find out more about me, go to livingwithpower.org. In the meantime, we're doing a series called uh, The One Thing Series. And every week, I just give you one concept. And this time, it, this week, it's going to entail uh, the concept of, it'll really talk about happiness, but, but here's the idea that I want to give you, because in order to be happy, you have to understand contentment. So the sentence that I want to give you is this, contentment always entails yielding, and yielding mandates trust in a father who loves us and is always for us. I know that's a lot of words to chew on. Let me repeat it again. Contentment always entails yielding, and yielding mandates trust in a father who loves us and is always for us. So you cannot be content without yielding your idea of what it should be. When you think about yielding, what is it that we're yielding? It is the dream of the, your dream of the desired outcome. It is what you think should have happened in your life. So uh, I don't know what you bring to the table today. My uh, experience with people is that there's usually a commonality of experience in different, you know, seasons of life. Uh, sometimes uh, you might be, um, your dream may have been to be, I don't know, a lawyer. I don't know why anybody would dream that, but maybe you didn't get into law school and you're disappointed. And, and so uh, you might have to find contentment in a different job now, and you might have to yield your idea of being a lawyer at some point. And, or maybe you thought you'd be married by now. That's an easy one to pick on. And I myself, I'm single, and, uh, and there's definitely some level of contentment that has to happen for you to be happy in your single life. Um, maybe you're not as rich as you thought you should be by now, or maybe God hasn't opened doors in the ministry for you as you thought he might have or should have, or, or maybe your dream was to be in a different city, or, or, you know, you go on and on. Whatever your situation is, it's not what you thought it would be, and because of it, there's discontent in your life. Well, well, you're never going to be happy if you're discontent, and contentment entails yielding, giving up your idea of what should be, but here's the, here's the kicker. You cannot stop there. If you stop there, you will be miserable. Yielding mandates trust in a father who loves you and is always for you. That's it. Yielding entails trust in a father who loves you and is always for you. You know, at the end of the day, if you want to sum up the Christian life, it is summed up in a five-letter word called trust. That's it. It has to do with you believing that God is for you, that God is going to work out all things in your life for good. So why should I believe that? What is? Why should I believe God would do that? Well, simply because 
God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. And in doing so, purchased your life. He gave you eternal life. His death on the cross was what would be your death. And, and by dying for you, he basically gave you life eternal. Uh, God who would do this for his people, for his children, is a God worthy of trust. But somehow we, we, we live in a disconnected world. We think that's all fine and dandy for Sunday and for after I die. But what about right here, right now? How can I be happy now? And uh, there comes a point in your life where you're going to have to yield your idea of what should be. This is hard to do. It's not easy. I'm going through a test in yielding now. And, and uh, uh, I find that the test of contentment comes when others get what I want. Right? You ever find yourself like everything's going great and you're happy. And then you look over and the person least likely to get that thing gets it. And you're like, that was meant to be mine. God, how did you screw it up? Did the mail kind of get, you know, rewired on the way to my house? And, 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 and you can become so bitter and jealous and, and, and envious. And I hate that feeling with all my heart. I wish it didn't happen in my life. But it's become even more easy to do in the age of social media because you have an up-close and personal view of everybody else's lives. And, and um, so that, the test for contentment comes when others get what you want. The test for contentment comes when nothing changes right away. You want it to change. You will it to change. You pray for it to change. You ask God to give you contentment and nothing changes. And, uh, And in that moment, there has to be a yielding of that thing that you want. And you can only do that comfortably when you understand God's deep love for you. And so, you know, one of, one of the questions that comes up, you know, as, as you think about yielding is, well, how, how do I kill the desire? And, and I don't think it's always about killing your desire for that one thing that you want. I think often it's yielding the desire. There's a difference. Killing the desire is like kind of getting to the point where we're like, I don't want it anymore. But most of us do want it. I mean, we can't change that fact. You may be like, oh, I'm happy now. I'm happy now. But inside your heart is hurting. I've been there. I know that feeling. And, and I get frustrated by it because I'm like, I, I can't fool God. I know that. So he sees past the outside. And so how do you yield that desire? I think before you even get to the point of yielding, you have to ask some basic questions. Um, Is what you want glorifying to God? And are you doing everything in your power to make it happen? Like, for instance, you could whine about being single and you could, you know, be discontented that you're single, but you never leave your house ever. I mean, you go to church, you, you show up the minute the worship starts, you leave the minute the pastor says amen, you don't talk to anybody at church, you don't go to the singles groups, you're not, you know, you don't have a social life and you're like, but you don't understand how hard it is for me. I do understand. I am single. I don't have a great social life, but... A person who is trying might go to church 15 minutes early and talk to the people on their road and maybe go to the singles events and, and, and come to the singles conference on October 10th that I'm hosting. And on and on. You see, are you doing everything you can in your power to change things? Say your issue is financial and, and you're discontent with the amount of money you're getting paid, but you feel like you deserve more. Well, are you doing the work that shows that you deserve more? Are you showing up early and leaving late? And are you giving it 110%? And are you doing what your boss wants you to do? And on and on and on. And, and so there's a point where you could... You potentially do more. I don't know. I mean, you got to evaluate that. My guess is sometimes the issues that you want the most, you, you might not be able to do more. That's where I think the real frustration comes is that you're trying everything you can. And you're like, if somebody tells me one more thing about doing more, I'm going to shoot myself. And I, I mean this, you know, I don't mean this in a real suicidal sense. I'm sorry. I don't mean to make light of this. But you know what I mean? Like you're like, take a hammer and just, you know, bang a wall somewhere because I can't take this conversation anymore. It's weighing me down with guilt and with the feeling that I'm not enough. Look, we know, I'm, I know I'm not enough. And, and if, I, if, if it boiled down to what I could bring to the table, we'd all be lost. 
I mean, I, I do these podcasts week, week after week, and I'm just speaking to you from my heart, and week after week, I think, did I say the right thing? Did I do the right thing? And, and there's such a weight with them, and I have to trust that I can only do my best. And, and the rest is up to the Lord. And so, are you doing what you can to change the situation? And secondly, are you doing it for the glory of God? I find that in the areas of discontent in my life, I got to tune into what is God saying here when I don't have what I want? There, there's usually, God is trying to say something. It, it, there are a lot of things he could be saying. He could be saying, Lena, I want you to have this, but not now, not in the way you want it, because it's not good for you now and in the way you want it. He could be saying, you know what, you're, not, you're wrong. I don't even want you to have this. You might be so high strung on getting something that's bad for you, but you don't even know it's bad for you. God knows because he sees the future. And so he might be stopping you from going down that path and you don't even appreciate it because you don't have the full picture yet. And, and, and I believe that it is those areas of struggle and discontent where we can stop and tune in and ask God, God, what are you trying to say here? I believe sometimes God is just trying to correct us. Like we might want something for the wrong reason or we might even want something that's wrong. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, the very thing we might want is not pleasing to him, but we don't see it. And, and uh, anyway, I think, I think, you know, what can I do? And what is God trying to say to me during this season of discontent? Or I believe the biggest thing that God is typically trying to say to us is that he wants us to grow in trusting him. I really believe that. Think about, I want to take you back to um, to, uh, Genesis 22, the story of Abraham and Isaac. Remember that story? It's an amazing story. If you haven't read it in a while, you need to hang up this podcast and go there and read it and apply it to the situation in your life that is just your area of discontent. And that thing that you want more than anything, that's your Isaac. So Abraham has a son, Isaac, and it's the, he's the love of his life. He's waited years for it. And God, in his loving provision, has given him the son of promise. And now God says to him, offer me your son. And so here's, uh, here's Abraham. He, he, he doesn't even argue. He takes up Isaac. He goes up to the mountain. And Isaac, along the way, is like, hey, Dad, where's the lamb that we're going to offer on the altar? And, uh, and, 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 and Abraham has to say, look at his son. Imagine the pain in that. And here's what he says then. God will provide for himself. Sorry about that. Oh, my phone was off, but it's not. Okay. And so he says, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And, uh, wow, amazing that Abraham, you know, don't believe for a minute that Abraham didn't have pain in his heart when he said that. See, I believe yielding will hurt. And I, I really believe that as Abraham was walking up the hill with his son, yeah, he kept waiting for a miracle to happen. Maybe God will show up now and change the desired outcome because I don't want my son to die. And, and, and again, remember, the test comes in not seeing anything change right away. That's when you're going to have to say, well, I'm going to be content with God and His ways because I know God. Because I know God. Not because I have the ability to be content in this situation, but because I know who God is and I know that He wants what's best for me and I know that He works all things out for good. And I might not see it right now and I might not see it till the very last second, but I know that God will come through for me. And, um, and so here's Abraham walking up the hill with his son, trusting God. And he trusted him because he knew him. Because the same God who had given him his son Isaac was the one who had asked him to make the offering. So maybe in your season of yielding, maybe right now the very thing you want the most, you know, you've tried everything you can. You've given it your best. And, and, and you've leaned into the Lord. And you're like, God, what, what is it? You're not saying that I should quit. You're not telling me to give up or to kill the desire. You want me to hang on. This is a good desire from you. This is something you want me to do. I believe that. So now maybe God is saying, I want to grow you in faith. I want to grow you in trust. I want you to trust me. And, uh, and, and just like Abraham, you walk up the hill and you put your offering on the altar and with maybe pain and 
and sorrow in your heart, but a firm belief that God is good. You take that knife and you lift up your hand. And, and I love what happens. The angel of the Lord called to, to Abraham from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. See, God was testing Abraham. Who do you love more? Who do you want more in your life? And I find myself, I'm telling you guys, I love God with all my heart and all my mind and all my soul. And all my body. I love him. But I find that sometimes I need the test to remind me how much I love him. And when I'm in that moment, I mean, I kick and scream at the beginning. I do. I can't lie. I, I, I want God to bail me out the minute the test comes. And, and I find that initially I catch myself going down that path of discontent and I hate it. And I have to come back to the place of repentance of saying, God, I've been wrong in this. You are far greater than what I want. And, 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 and finally God says, do not lay your hand. I see that you fear God. And then Abraham lifted his eyes and saw a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up. And then he said, so Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. You see, at the heart of the story of contentment is the perfect trust, maybe the increasing trust, the growing trust, but certainly a trust in a father who loved Abraham and was for him. And, and later on in the verses, in Genesis 22, verse 18, God continues to pour blessing on Abraham over and above what he could ask or think. It says, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. You know, obedience doesn't always mandate agreement. That's an important statement. Obedience doesn't mandate agreement. You don't have to agree with God to obey him. He, he wants you to do something. You take it by faith and you do it. I think about my sister and her kids. I mean, if they, if she, if the kids always waited to agree with their mom on doing what she wanted, nothing would get done in the home and they'd be in big trouble. But that's not how it works. We can understand that. I mean, half the things that they want me to do at work, I might not agree with, but I do it because I know that that's it for my best in the long run. Well, imagine God, a, a God who loves you enough to give you his son, who provided your Isaac for you in the first place. He's the one who put that dream in your heart. And now he's saying to you, just trust, trust me with it. Trust me with your dream. So contentment always entails yielding. But for you to yield mandates that you trust your loving father who deeply and unconditionally and unfailingly loves you and is always for you. Hey, maybe you don't know that father. First John 3 says, Behold, what manner of love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Can you imagine it? The God of this universe has called us his children. And, and, and that is, we take that for granted. We're forgiven and we're free. And that very God, I love it, the way Romans says it in Romans 8. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So if you're not seeing your dream of the desired outcome that you want, there must be a really good reason for it. And if you're looking for happiness in this life, and if you're looking for joy, first thing, you come into a loving relationship with God as your Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. And secondly, once you're in that relationship, you yield to Him because you trust that the same God who gave you Jesus is the God who will provide for your Isaac when you put Him on the altar. I don't know about you, but that is the place I want to live. And so in this test of contentment that I'm going through, I'm going through a test right now. 
I want to be found faithful. I want God to be well pleased in me, and I hope you want it to. What an opportunity we have in our delayed outcomes to say, God, I don't see it. I don't know how this will happen, but I trust you. And no matter when you make it happen, even if I don't see it on the side of eternity, I will continue trusting you. And it is not the strength of our ability to say that. It's not the strength of our faith, but the goodness of our God that allows us to say that. So rejoice with me today. Be grateful. Confess your sins to God. I mean, why don't we just take a minute after this podcast, shut this off, and just ask God, we've mislabeled you. I know I do that always. I accuse God of not loving me, of not wanting to help me, of loving others is more than me and and, uh, and and those are sins that need to be confessed and repented of and then may we turn to God in trust and in adoration this good God who would do anything for us even give up his son hey if you want to know more about this God or if you want to hear more from me uh, email me lena at livingwithpower.org l-i-n-a at livingwithpower.org uh, I would love to hear from you I would love to pray for you and I trust you into the hands of the Lord the rest of this week and I'll see you again next week okay you take care